Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. The text for our sermon is from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4 to 11. Such is the confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are confident by ourselves to claim that anything comes from us. Rather, our confidence is from God. He also made us competent as ministers of a New Testament, not of letter, but of spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. If the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look directly at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face, though it was fading, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be much more glorious? For if the ministry that brought condemnation has glory, the ministry that brought righteousness has even more glory. In fact, in this case, what was glorious is no longer very glorious because of the greater glory of that which surpasses it. Indeed, if what is fading away was glorious, how much more glorious is that which is permanent? Can we pray? Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. I was in grad school when I was really forced to think about the distinction between law and gospel for the first time. It was a weekend conference, a campus ministry retreat, all about law and gospel. And it really was an amazing experience to have such an intensive study to help me straighten out those two things, law and gospel. The presenter put it this way. He said, imagine you were going to try to comfort a person who was hurting. Maybe they're suffering from some problem caused in some way by sin, and they're distressed, even depressed over it. They've been lamenting to God for a long time, and, and now they, just, they don't know what to do. First off, does that person need law or gospel? Gospel. But now, what do you say to them? You know, our first thought might be to say something like, well, just pray about it. But what is that? Is that law or gospel? It's law. It's a command. Because you're telling someone who already knows what they can't do to do something about it. Instead, what that person needs is the gospel, what Jesus has done for them already. They need to hear the love of Jesus that never ends the love of Jesus that will never forsake them. It's this distinction between law and gospel that really sets the Lutheran church apart from any other. And we feel this is very important. If this weren't important, we wouldn't be here. We don't exist as a congregation simply because we happen to like different things from other churches in town. It's law and gospel. Because really, to, to, to distinguish between law and gospel is to know where we end, and where God begins. And that's what Paul does here in 2 Corinthians. He distinguishes between two, as, as he calls them, two different ministries. First, Paul speaks of a ministry that he identifies by various names. The ministry of the letter, the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of death. He also speaks of another ministry, the ministry of the Spirit the ministry of righteousness, the ministry of the New Testament. These two ministries are law 
and gospel. The law is what God demands. The gospel is what God has done already. The law is the letter. The law of God written not only in the Bible and the Ten Commandments, but also in our hearts. The gospel is what is revealed by the Holy Spirit, the righteousness of Jesus. And that's also, also through God's word. By the way, I've heard this falsely misunderstood, this talk of the spirit uh, and, and the letter, the letter kills, spirit, spirit gives life. I've heard this falsely understood to mean that we shouldn't have doctrine because doctrine is so-called a letter. Instead, so we should rely on spirit, which is taken to mean what I feel to be true. But what that ends up being is a license to do and believe whatever you want, which is, of course, not true. When Paul says, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life, he's talking about law and gospel. But we tend to confuse law and gospel by thinking almost in, in simplistic caveman terms, right? Law bad, gospel good. And so we end up doing away with the law, especially for, for new believers, and we end up doing away with the gospel for, for Christians. But rather, Paul explains that they are both good. He gives the example of Moses. When Moses received the, the law, the Ten Commandments from Mount Sinai, uh, his face was radiant, it was shining because it reflected the glory of, of God uh, that was in the Ten Commandments, the glory of God that, that Moses saw on the mountain. Uh, he was now reflected in his face, which was so uh, radiant and, and brilliant that the people, as he came down to the mountain, couldn't even bear to look at it. And so Moses had to cover his face with a veil until that glory finally faded away. So Paul's point is that the law, which brings death, which shows us our sins, is glorious, extremely glorious. The law is glorious because even though it has an end, its end is Jesus. The law gets us to Jesus. Without the law, we wouldn't know we needed Jesus. The law tells us what we must do, but we can't do it. And so it brings us to Jesus. And not only that, but the law is fulfilled. It finds its end in Jesus. And so if the law, which is fading away and has an end, is glorious, how much more so is the gospel, the ministry of the Spirit, or righteousness, the New Testament, which continues into eternity? How much more glorious is that? This gospel never fades away because it's Jesus. Our Lutheran Confessions, something called the Formula of Concord, explains the importance of distinguishing between law and gospel by referencing this section of Paul's epistle. It calls the distinction between law and the gospel a special brilliant light that must be guarded with special care in order that they're not confused with one another or a law made out of the gospel, which would obscure Christ and rob troubled consciences of their comfort. But you know, we look at these two broad doctrines and we say, ah, big deal. Big deal if we mix them around a little. If I just, if I just love Jesus, that's enough. And we fall into this, this false idea of the Spirit being but what we feel. But let me give you an example that was told to me by another pastor. There's a lady who had suffered a horrible accident. Her legs had been crushed and her spine broken so that she would never walk again. She had a friend, a Christian 
friend, come to her room in the hospital. And her friend saw her and started praying and said, oh, all you need to do is love Jesus and he'll heal you. All you need to do is just trust Jesus and he'll heal you. Just put your full confidence in him. Don't hold back and he will heal you. Just pray to Jesus and he will heal you. So the lady did. She tried. She pulled herself out of the bed, put her legs on the ground, tried to walk, and immediately collapsed. She was left sobbing on the floor. Now she doubted her own faith. She doubted even God's love. If only her faith had been stronger. If only God loved her more. She'd been led by her friend to trust in the law, in her work, in her faith, in her love for God to heal and save her. The gospel had become law. And it was at that moment that her Lutheran pastor walked in the room. He didn't give her the law, something else to do. Rather, he merely spoke to her of what Christ had done for her already. He told her about Christ's love and faithfulness toward her. He comforted her with the gospel. It wasn't about the size of her faith or her love or her work for God that mattered, but God's work, love, and faith toward her. When the law and gospel are mingled and confused, troubled consciences are robbed of their comfort. Because while the law is glorious, it results finally and only in death. The gospel is the only thing that can comfort and heal. When Jesus heals in the Bible, he never once asks them to just trust him. He never once asks them about how much they love him. He never once tells them to just pray about it. He never once gives them the law. He just heals. Out of his mercy, he heals. Out of his love, he heals. He shows the power of the gospel by his words and through his healing. If the words of promise of gospel from Jesus can heal sickness, a surface issue, how much more can it heal the root problem of sin? How will the ministry of the Spirit not be much more glorious? The mute man in our gospel lesson needed Christ's intervention. But he also needed Christ's words of promise, of gospel, Christ's word epitha, before he could speak rightly. His tongue was bound by sin. The word epitha frees him. It's not law, it's gospel. Be opened. Everything is done for you already. God is fixing He's restoring the world by taking its brokenness into himself in Christ, restoring it, healing it. Because he alone took on our sinful, dying, decaying flesh, and rather than sin destroying him, he destroyed it by dying and rising. And now he stands before God in our place. Such, Paul says, is the confidence we have, before, we have through Christ before God. Not that we are confident by ourselves to claim that anything comes from us. Rather, our confidence is from God. 
The gospel is the only thing which can heal a broken world, a world which sees the effects of the, of the terminal illness of its sin all around us. And the gospel is the only thing that can heal you and me. It's not just the world which needs healing. It's you and me. Not one of us doesn't have something about us that isn't sick or broken or wrong or messed up or dying. Not one of us is free from the illness of sin. So know this. Christ can heal your body. He has the power to do that. But even if he doesn't, know that he has done something greater already. He has healing for your soul. A healing that has come through the forgiveness of your sins. As ministers of the gospel, we, pre we preach the law. We preach the law not to condemn, but to reconcile the sinner with God, much like how a doctor might use a prognosis to bring about healing. We use the law not for destruction, but for reconciliation. The law shows us what needs fixing, and the gospel heals it. It tells us that our brokenness has already been taken into the body of Jesus, and in return, we have received his glory. Christ opens our ears to hear his words of promise and the healing of our sin. No matter how far we've gone, no matter how deep our grief, no matter the trouble and anxiety that sin causes, no matter how terminal our illness of sin might be, Christ grants true and lasting and permanent healing through the gospel. If that which is fading away has glory, how much greater is the glory in that which is permanent? In Jesus' name, amen.